Good evening, Sportzonians. How's everybody doing out there tonight? I am Mike Aglioloro. I am your host. For this is Sports Zone. We're recording with you live like we do each and every week here via the I-95 Sports and Entertainment Radio Network. And, of course, we will be rebroadcast and redistributed through all our various podcasting outlets. So we thank you for joining us no matter how you join us. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn. Once again, we thank you for joining us no matter how we you join us. And we got a good show for you tonight. We'll be joined by Dave Hastings and Eric Tressler in a matter of moments here. We do have a lot to talk about tonight. We got some baseball to talk about. We got the national championship game that took place last night to talk about. We got football to talk about, the Sam Darnold trade that happened yesterday. And we got some basketball to talk about. So we got a nice, well-rounded show for you tonight. And we're joined by Dave Hastings right off the top. How you doing there, Dave? I'm doing good, Mike. How about yourself? I'm I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Long ass day. I don't know about you. They're all long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, today was today was especially long. I've only been home for about a half hour now. So today was today. Remember last week, Eric was talking about getting kicked in the dick right before you went home. I was getting kicked in the dick all day today. So it was a bad day. But anyway, uh, we got. Yeah, like, we got, that, like Dad always said, any day above ground's a good day, my friend. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so let's start off tonight. I guess we'll go right into the national championship, which I did not get a chance to see last night. I was, I, I'm not gonna lie, I was watching the Met game last night, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a little while. Whenever it comes on here, um, I kind of fell asleep during the middle of the Met game, so I did not have to subject myself to that. Gonzaga. The Ballyhooed, much Ballyhooed team, the favorites entering the NCAA tournament, 30 straight victories. I told you at the beginning of this tournament, I'm always concerned going into a situation like this where you are undefeated because the letdown always winds up being bigger than everything that came before it. We saw it with the Patriots in 2007. Now we see it with Gonzaga as Baylor defeats them to become the national champion. What did you think about this game? I mean, look, dude, it was – I mean, even – you don't have to be a college basketball fan to get what I'm about to say, but it, it was the typical one team came to play and the other team wasn't ready for it. Um, mm. Baylor came out, punched them right in the mouth, right off the gate. They were up 9 nothing. Um, they had it up to, I think, 32 to 12. Um, they stayed within a, you know, 14 to 19 point lead for the majority of the game. Um, it, it was just the game where Baylor was the better team from beginning to end. Um, they played better defense. They re, I mean, the one kid on their team, I think in the first, I want to say first, two minutes of the game had four offensive rebounds. Um, most is, that, guys, is, that, is that the guy, Jared Butler? Is that his name? Uh, no, it started with his last name started with a V. <clears throat> but okay. I, and dude was only like six, five. And ironically enough is like favorite player, even though he retired before the kid was even born, basically was Charles Barkley. Um, 
and let's That'll just do it. Say he, he, he showed up and played like a Charles Barkley. Uh, I mean, guys in the NBA don't get four offensive rebounds in an entire game, and they're all, you know, all NBAers. This dude had four offensive rebounds literally in the first two minutes. Um, it, it just it, it was an ass whooping from beginning to end. Uh, Oregon was the better team from beginning to end. Like the, there's, that's the most disappointing part about this whole thing. Like you can't sit there and like this isn't a game that needs to be broken down. Um, like for lack of a better way to say it, like it was an ass whooping from the second the game tipped off and it never looked back. Like mm. they, uh, Gonzaga got it down in nine. And once they got it down to nine, I think Baylor went on a 5-0 run and got it back to 14 um, and never looked back again. Uh, Mm. Gonzaga looked gassed. Gonzaga looked overpowered. Uh, They looked unorganized on defense. Offensively, they had no answer for the the press man-to-man. I mean, this team played man-to-man the entire game and just never let up. There was never a time where a guy had the ball within three feet of the three-point line and didn't have somebody in his face. Um, like, it was an overall ass-whooping, and Baylor deserved to win. Gonzaga had no right winning that game just after watching the first couple minutes. Uh, you just were rooting for it to become closer, to be more entertaining. Um, mm. But outside of that, like, you really were talking – it, it was you, – you were talking – it looked like it was varsity versus the freshman team in high school. Like, that's how dominant the game was. Jesus Christ. Mark Vital, I believe, is the guy you were talking yes. about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really have too much to throw in on this, and I'm, I'm sure we'll go back to this when Eric gets here. But to say that about a team who, like I said, 30 straight victories – Basically, everybody's picked to win this tournament. And Baylor just comes in and completely shuts them down, deflates them. It's nice that they tried to make it close at some point, but that's deflating. And from what I've heard about this Gonzaga team, I I don't know if anybody on this team plans on going pro after this season, but it seems like this team may be around for years to come. It sounds like they got a good program going on. But... 30 straight victories and to have it culminate like that in game you lose by 16 points and you're down would you say 20 within like the first half of the first half yeah i I, it was nine nothing in the first two minutes two three minutes of the game they were down 20 within the first uh, they didn't even score their first point and it was the second free throw the guy missed the first free throw they didn't score their first point until it was it was eleven to one at like six minutes into the game. You don't talk about resting on your laurels and think you're just going to skate to an easy victory. That's what that says to me. I mean, the way the the difference in intensity and effort and just overall play, mm-hmm. like. Honestly, that's not an unfair statement to say. I, yeah. I, I don't think that. Look, I'm going to be honest. I don't think Gonzaga walked into this game just thinking like, hey, we're going to win this, no problem. Like, I don't think they had that mentality, but I don't think it's unfair to say that it looked like that's how they were playing. Yeah. 
All right, with that, we'll get his thoughts on this too. Eric Tressler is with us tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Eric Tressler, how you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing better than a Met fan after the uh, <laughs> Mets pull pull him out in the sixth inning. Yeah. Come on, you got to you got to tell me that that's that's a terrible move. Okay. Oh, I mean, I agree. I, I, I'm not going to stand here and argue with you on that. Do you want to do this now, or you want to do this later? Because we were starting with the well, national no, we championship. Got, we if you want to do it, for a second. I mean, they were. Yeah. First of all, the the three the kid hit to to send him there. Uh, from Gonzaga in the final four over UCLA. I mean, that game was an all-time great game. I mean, with UCLA, uh, unbelievable. And, I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen the picture out there, but the kid is literally, like, after he hits, like, the biggest shot uh, he'll probably ever hit in his life, he's standing there, and in front of him is a crowd of cardboard cutouts to celebrate in front of. It's like, <laughs> whoa, what are we doing here? <laughs> but at the same time, it was and at the same time. That's the moment the kid's always going to have is this screen of this shot of him celebrating after the biggest shot of his life with nothing but cardboard cutouts in the background. I just find that funny. But, uh, Maybe he's got split personality disorder and he's hanging out with all his friends. Leave him alone. Yeah, he's fine. I mean, listen, it's an epic disappointment. I don't know if I sent you guys the picture before of uh, the 07 Patriots and Gonzaga holding hands. Uh, yeah, no, the above the rim. Yeah. Or uh, um, over the top, excuse me, over, over the, the top. top. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm just saying, like, it's just it's that type of level disappointing. You go through a season like this with all the turmoil, the ups, the downs, the COVID, this, that, the, you know, to play over 30 games, practically play every game on your schedule, not have anything go missing or go crazy, not have any major scandals with your own team as far as COVID or scares or anything. To, to come through, be undefeated, and lose. Now, granted, Baylor was a two-loss team themselves and played unbelievable until I think they got hit with, like, COVID. And then they, they, they had a break, and then they came back, and they were off for, like, a game, and then picked it back up and have been great the rest of the season again. I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure that's how their season went. So, I mean, Baylor's I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from their win, but this should have been Gonzaga's season, and I think all of those – those kids are going to look back and, and look at this as a, the one of the biggest missed opportunities that they've had ever. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I'm going to add to that is, remember, at the beginning of this, I said the idea of coming into a tournament like this undefeated, I'd be nervous about that if I was a fan of the team because I always just feel like you're setting yourself up for a big letdown. Now, in this case, if you know, as Dave was kind of saying before, and I, I kind of said it like this, if you're coming in not ready to play and automatically assuming that you're going to win a championship, you probably don't deserve to win that championship. But that's what these long winning streaks going into the playoffs, especially the way that Gonzaga had been the last few games. You know, the game game against UCLA, I believe it was them. Um, you know, they put them away pretty handedly. So if you're coming in like that, you get this false sense of security, you still got to show up to play in a game like this. I, I, kinda, I mean, they still yeah. got to show up. They still got to show up to play, but you know, at the same time, I'm not going to take anything away from Baylor. It just is a big sure. opportunity. Whether they weren't ready, whether they take, took the game too easy, whether they already thought they had the championship in the bag, or whether they were spent from the emotional exhaustion it took to beat UCLA. Sure. I don't know. Any of the mm -hmm. above could have been the issue, but 
you know, that just goes to show you Baylor was able to rise above it and, and bring out that championship performance. And, you know, they kind of, you know, put Gonzaga to shame yesterday. I think they were, they were leading most of the game, if not all the game. Mm. Now, they, Eric, oh. they literally led from tip. Gonzaga yeah. didn't even score a point until it was 11 to 1. Yeah. yeah. So that, that just goes, that goes to show you. So, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it, yeah. Now, let me, let me ask you a question. We'll wrap this up on this one. I had heard earlier today that Gonzaga as a program seems well positioned. So it's like this ain't going to be the only time we see them in this type of situation. What do you know about their future? Like, how many of the guys on their team are going to wind up going pro after this season? Do you know that? That I don't know. Okay. I think I think the only kid that's even considered um, is um, Timmy Suggs or Timmy uh, T- Timmy and Suggs or the the kid that hit the game winner against UCLA and then the white the tall white dude with the crazy uh, mustache. Oh, that's really his last name. That's what? really that's really his last name. I thought you were saying yeah. that about his first name. Yeah, I. It shows no, you how no. much I know. That's really his last name. Okay. Yeah. It, I mean, the, the mustache beard thing or whatever it's called, I mean, it's appropriate for a guy, a guy with the last name Timmy. Um, <laughs> Timmy. Look on, Timmy. Yeah, I think they're the only two. But either way, even if they go or don't go, Gonzaga's <laughs> been a program that's been respectable for almost 10 years now. They're constantly competitive. 10? I mean, I'm going uh, to I would quick, say longer on, on that. You. I'm going to drop a stat on you guys. Third longest streak out there, I believe it's uh, 22 straight seasons Gonzaga's been to the tournament. Because I remember them being good when I was in college. 22 straight they've been to the tournament. Yeah. yeah. I know the coach has been there 23 years, and he's never won a national championship, but he's always got a competitive team. Yeah, 22 I mean, years. He made Adam Morrison a first-round draft pick in the NBA. It was Adam, Adam Morrison on George. I thought that was Adam Morrison on Gonzaga. Yeah. Is that what Post Malone turned into? <laughs> you mean – wait. I think you mean is that what Adam Adam yeah, Morrison exactly. turned you know into? Yeah. 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 Um, the only other thing college basketball-wise I want to bring up – the retirement of Roy Williams in North Carolina. Hubert Davis, the former Knicks guard, is going to be his replacement. I, I'll, Eric, I'll start with you on this. I know you named them as one of your three teams that you like in college basketball. Um, I, I don't know your thoughts on Roy Williams there. Were you it's, right, being... it's the right choice. It's the right choice. It's the right he choice. He's a long-time assistant. He, 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 he's deserving of the role. I have hmm. no issue with with him getting the job. Okay. Dave, you got any thoughts? Uh, look, man, I, I'm a UNC fan. So Roy Williams mm. retiring, I mean, that's not the same level as Dean Smith retiring, but it, it's kind of close. Yeah. Um, he, he spent over 30 years of his life as a coach at UNC in some form or fashion. Um, so it, it's a big loss. The kids that played for him loved him. Um I mean, you can find countless videos of him dancing with them in the locker room. I think he won a total of four national championships. I think I don't. It's either three or four. I think it might be three as the head coach, and then he won one when he was under Dean Smith. I think. Um, 
But either way, like that's a big blow to North Carolina. But I agree. I, I don't think you could have made a better choice than Davis. Um, I, I, you know, old school basketball player. He knows the game. Uh, he's been an assistant there for I think over ten years now. Um, you know, and I think that's one of the big things with colleges is it, when you're these big programs, you got to show love to the guys that helped you become that big program, and and it sends that message when you're recruiting, and and I think that's another thing this hire does. Mm. Three national championships, nine Final Fours. So that's pre- that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to throw this in uh, just because when I think of Hubert Davis, yes, I think of him on the Knicks. Uh, you guys, uh, fans of the Notorious B.I.G.? Of course. Okay. Oh, I, I got I got a story to tell. I got a story to tell. Everybody thinks John Starks is the basketball player in that song. When John Starks was asked about it, he kind of sort of threw Hubert Davis under the bus on that. Like, he didn't say his name. I actually might have said his name. I don't know, but he definitely made you think he was talking about Hubert Davis. I always kind of wondered who he was talking about. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted to I throw love that, that song. That's a great song. Hey, Biggie, guy, yeah, big, I love Biggie. Biggie's the best. Um, all these other rappers today don't know shit. But anyway, let's move on. All right, fine. I was going to save it to later to the show. Eric, do you want to talk about baseball? Well, I mean, I think you probably want to talk about it more than me. My team's two and two. We're all right. I mean, it's still so start to the season, but I'm going to take that for what it is. We got Cole on the mound tonight. Uh, they had base load in the first inning. I don't think they got anything out of it. But my, my team's doing all right. I don't have much to complain about. It's still the start of the season. I'm excited about baseball season. But then not only did you get the COVID, you then came out of the COVID. No, 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 no. Hang on, hang on, hang on. We didn't get the COVID. The Nationals got the COVID. I don't know why you don't know this. You drew the COVID in. Sorry, your luck drew the COVID in. Oh, stop that. Stop. You get out of the COVID. You open up the season. You have your starter, DeGrom. He is throwing bullets. Literally, the last nine batters in a row, he retires. And the Mets decide to pull him after six, is it? After six, yeah, it was after six. Pitches, yeah, yeah. Only seventy-seven pitches. Bryce Harper and the rest of the Phillies rejoice and go on to kick the crap out of the Mets bullpen. So I want to hear from you, Mike. You tell me how has baseball season started for you? If you want me to overreact over one game, I simply will not do it. But let's talk. Let's talk about this week. Well, can because- we ask why your two highest-paid relievers didn't even sniff? A, a pitch in the game you didn't have batanzas throw you didn't have a, a familia throw instead you bring out may you bring out uh, the new may, may and loop who are the two new acquisitions let me talk about this let me talk wait, wait hold on okay right, just just because i very rarely will ever have a freaking opinion on any of this stuff so i just let let me just jump in really quick and you two can run with this and I, i'll chill in the background and jump in if it's appropriate but well, you're running this for this moment, but yeah, no, so, go ahead. I, I think to me, the bigger question mark is the overall philosophy. Because I was I was listening to uh, somebody talk about it earlier today, and it's like the Mets pulled their ace for a pitch count excuse. You see it happening all over the league, and yet injuries for Tommy John and things like that are probably higher than they've ever been. Mm-hmm. So 
whether it's a Mets philosophy or a baseball philosophy or an analytics philosophy, whatever it is, that philosophy makes no sense to me. And that was the one thing I was hoping baseball wise, you guys, I might get to hear you guys go into is like that philosophy, whether you're a Mets fan or just a baseball fan, like, does that not take away from the game? Every other sport, when the game is the on the line, the best players are, are in control of what happens in baseball. Yeah, you have maybe your best batters that might get up if the rotation works that way. Or you could have the game on the line and have your 7, 8, 9, or your 9, 1, and 2, whatever, whatever order it is. Some of your worst batters and your ninth freaking pitcher standing there in a tie game in the bottom of the ninth. Like, I don't know. That philosophy just seems insane to me. So, hey, I well, somebody bring that up, and I was dying to bring that up with you guys. Well, listen, this is this is not my reaction to the Met game last night. I want to go back to that, but let's answer this real quick first. And I think me and Eric will be in agreement on this one. This is analytics at his worst, unfortunately, here. Uh, Eric goes through the same thing with the Yankees. We talked about it last postseason with Aaron Boone uh, pulling Garcia in the first inning for J.A. Happ. We saw it happen to the Rays pulling Blake Snell in a very similar situation in a World Series. So that's what this is. And the idea that this is on Louis Rojas, the manager, and the manager's a middleman nowadays. It's like blaming Aaron Boone for anything. Like, this. this, these decisions get made in the front office, and the manager is merely a patsy to take on the onslaught of the media after the game, wondering why you did this. Now, is it a dumb thing for a Met team that consistently has a problem with the bullpen to decide to go to the bullpen early when you ace? Your guy who you never score any fucking runs for to begin with is throwing fucking bullets? Yeah, it's a mistake. I'm not going to stand here and say different on that. But unfortunately, this shit is going around the game, and it doesn't really seem to be ending anytime soon. Go ahead, Eric. But who is calling that shot? Is it Rojas? I think it's all. It's got to be. It's got to be Alderson. Got to be Alderson. Another reason. Is terrible. Why is he? Why is he calling the shots from upstairs? Well, the excuse they're using is that the Grom was thrown off his regular schedule because of not being able to pitch on Thursday. That was supposed to be his regular day. So they didn't know what type of shape he would be in, and they didn't want to overextend him this early in the season. The no, that's the excuse. I have, the other problem I have with this, if he's your ace, yes. he's out there throwing bullets. Yes. He gets paid more than, pro- more than I think anybody else on the Mets, maybe now outside of the shortstop. I think you're right on that. That sounds right. Why doesn't he... And I, and this is kind of a rhetorical question because he didn't do this, but why didn't he fight for the ball? Why didn't he say, no, I'm going back. I'm the guy. I'm, I'm in. It's opening day. I'm only throwing 77 pitches. And I'm, I'm throwing bullets. Why? Why? No, I'm taking the ball back, coach. I got another inning in me or two, you know, and, and, yeah. and, and take it back from him. The, to me, that's a big problem. But the bigger issue I have is the fact that I heard DeGrom wasn't, was like smiling about it on the bench. He wasn't fighting it at all. And that, to me, is a bigger problem. Why wouldn't you be fighting to keep the ball in your hands? Knowing how much your bullpen sucks. Well, here's two things I'm going to say. Maybe they told him about it before the game and he had time to digest it. But let me me turn that back on you because we've talked about this with Garrett Cole before. And I kind of said the same thing to you because you said the analytics weren't going to let 
him throw whatever the situation was. I think we were talking about a postseason. And I said, don't you think Cole would do basically what you said? And I, I cut out in the middle of that. I think what you said was DeGrom should take the ball from him and say, no, you're not taking me out of the game. Do you think in a similar situation in postseason, Cole's going to do that? I think he should. I think he I think should. He should. I, I think they hope. both should, yes. I would, I would hope they would. I would hope they should. But to me, it just it didn't look that way from DeGrom yesterday. Where at least I feel like Cole has a little bit of that fight in him. And Cole went more than 77 pitches in his, in his first outing. There's no reason these pitchers shouldn't be throwing 100 to 120 when you're the ace of the staff. Well, nobody no throws 120 anymore. Out, but that's Nobody's... bullshit in my opinion. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want your best pitcher to have the ball as much as humanly possible, especially when he's throwing bullets? Listen, I agree. With, I, I'm not saying I don't agree with you, but you know no one throws 120 pitches anymore. Do I think they should, especially if you're considered the ace of the staff and one of the top three pitchers in baseball? Yeah, I do. But – Again, to go back to what I said originally, I'm not going to get all worked up about one game. I'm, I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. The same reason I wouldn't get overhyped if the Mets actually won yesterday because the Mets always well, won on opening day. Overhyped or up or down about them. What I'm saying, though, is what, when you're trying to change everything that's been wrong about the Mets for the last I mean, I agree with the, I agree with the you point you're about to make. You start the season opening it up the same way you left it off i agree it just, i, I it, it, it's, yeah. it, it it hurts a little it stings a fan i'm not even a fan and i got no, no, like, but I, I i root for i root for an actual organization so i'm i'm good here yeah, I had to throw the last dick in there. Yeah, no, nah, yeah, it stings, but it stings. Here's another knife right there. There you go. Here, it stings. Yeah, it's already stinging. Here's something else to sting you. There you go. You what, I will tell you to not get overhyped on one game. There is one guy I will not get overhyped on one game, but what he did is very impressive because it hasn't been done. Oh, you're going to say Otani? Otani? Otani yeah. pitching, having the fastest pitch so far of a starting pitcher at 100 miles an hour or whatever it was. I think that's been beaten since then, but I think that it's – uh, at the time, it was the fastest pitcher of a starting pitcher and the fastest exit velocity for a home run. And one of the first pitchers in a, in a long time to bat second. That were right. It's been, I think, it's something like years. that. Yeah, no, that sounds right. Yeah, um, that sounds was, right. was really impressive. And this is what he was supposed to be when he was like hyped as much as he was out of Japan. Um. So, I, I don't know, more to see from him, but no, I'm not going to get overhyped on one game and call him an MVP or call him the next, you know, mm. next big thing. But I, I was impressed. I didn't know what you guys saw. If Dave, if you happen to catch any of those highlights from the other night of Otani. I, I mean, look, I, I, I didn't watch – I didn't see any of the pitching highlights, but I saw that home run and he, he hit. And, boy, did he take that ball for a ride. Mm. Can I say my reaction to the Met, to the week that was with the Mets now? I, I just want to throw this in. I'll try to be brief here. Well, did so, you even say anything about Otani though? Or you just you know I, I said it was it's impressive. It's impressive. I'm just thinking I wanna I wanna say what I wanted to say about the Mets. But yeah, no, Otani is great. Yeah, no, batting second in the order, fantastic. Apparently he only pitches on Sundays, from what I've heard. Fact that he's able to do that, that's great. I'm a little more inclined to believe what you said about him originally, actually, where you think he's going to be more of a hitter than a pitcher. 
I'm inclined to believe that a lot more now than I did when he first came over. So I'm going to give you that. Can I say this now? Okay. You must. I mean. Oh, thanks. Thanks. I, I mean, I didn't. I didn't get to say what one I, game in the last week. Yeah, and I didn't get to say what I wanted to say, Eric. We. Go ahead, I, go ahead. I want. I, thank you. Thank you. So, I mean, it started off great with the Lindor signing and everything, 10 years, $341 million. It does wind up being 11 years with the fact that he signed this year. So that was nice and everything. Then, yes, the opening series getting got canceled because the Nats got COVID. The Nats got COVID, not the Mets. So, yes, it's the same bad luck, but it's not the same bad luck. The same bad luck would have been that the entire fucking Met team got COVID and they would have been able to play for the next three weeks. So the fact that it was happening to the other team and not the Mets, all right, fine, fine. It is what it is. I wasn't all that di- – I would have liked to have seen a doubleheader on Sunday because I had the day off. I wanted to see that. We didn't get that. That's fine. Sitting down last night, I'm watching this game. I pass out in the fifth inning so I didn't have to watch what happened. There's three things. There's three things. That really bother me about the, the loss. Like, and again, I'm not overreacting here, but the problem is we have carryover from the previous regime in terms of how this Met team is. What are the three Achilles heel, heels? You still can't hit when people are on base because you left 10 men on base last night, including the bases loaded in the third inning. Conforto grounds out to second base. Got to be able to hit with fucking men on base. Then, yes, the bullpen. Why wasn't Betances and Familia in the game last night, Eric? Well, because they both were shit last night. We wanted to see what the new guys do. Hey, welcome to welcome to Queens, Trevor May and Aaron Loop. This is what you get because now you got the third problem, which is the defense. And I'm sorry, you know, you put Luis Guillerme in at third base. He's supposed to be your defensive guru. The guy who caught a bat in spring training one year with one hand. That's the guy who's supposed to be your defensive guru. Throws the ball, not quite as bad as Lucas Duda in the 2015 World Series, but he throws it wide, goes off McCann's glove. Great, you blew the game. Congratulations. So those are the three problems that, in my opinion, until the Mets actually get passed, you're never going to get anywhere with that shit. And they fooled me because they made this great defensive play in the first inning. DeGrom gives up a beanball to Reese Hoskins. It goes off the scoreboard. It's not a home run. Keith Pol- Kevin Pillar plays it perfectly. In in uh, Throws the ball into uh, McNeil. Bullet to third base. They get the guy at third base. And it was a great defensive play. And they had my ass fooled thinking that the defense may actually be decent. No. No. That was a nice little tease. But I, I want to go back to the analytics thing real quick here because, Eric, I don't know how you feel about this. But I think the thing that bothered me the most, and I'm looking at it tonight, and it still really bothers me. I hate the way that analytics says you have to put your lineup together. And I know you have to feel the same thing when you see Aaron Judge bat in second field. What was wrong with the old way? The old way you set a lineup, your leadoff hitter is a guy who gets on base and is a speedster. Your number two batter is, huh? Well, I was going to say, you cut out there, so I just was going oh. off of the Aaron Judge thing you said. You cut out oh. when, you were, when you were talking about Aaron Judge. I, ben I, was, I, was just say, I was just saying it must drive you crazy to see Aaron Judge bat in second in a lineup when that's a fucking power hitter. What was wrong with the old way of setting lineup? 
Number one, yeah, you, well, yeah. let me let me say this. Let me say let me let me just say this real quick, and then you could say your leadoff hitter is your speedster guy who can get on base. Your number two batter is your best contact hitter in the lineup, so you could do hit and runs and shit. Your number three hitter is your best overall hitter. Your number four guy, that's your best power guy. And then your number five guy is a guy who's a combination of three and four to protect the guy who's going to get all the home runs. What the fuck was wrong with that? I see Jeff McNeil hitting sixth and seventh in the lineup, and I want to puke. It's fucking terrible. McNeil and Lindor need to be batting back-to-back, two and three. You put Alonzo at four, shut the fuck up, that's it. It's over. Wait, go ahead, Eric. No, I mean, I agree with certain things. To me, Judge batting second doesn't bother me as much as guys like Torres and whatever batting further down in the lineup and shitty-ass guys like Aaron Hicks get tons of at-bats batting. Hicks is batting. I saw one lineup. I'm sorry to cut you off. I saw one lineup where Hicks is batting three behind Judge at two. What fucking sense does that make? It's they have this love affair with Hicks. I don't get it. Nobody gets it, but I, I don't know. Um, they they want to prove themselves right with this for some reason, but it's never mm. going to be right. It's it's terrible. So yeah. in those respects, I agree. I agree with the lineup they that you were talking about, but at the same time, it's just this shitty analytic way of thinking, and they just mm. think about it as, in a different light. And I don't like it. I wish they would do things differently with the lineup. I'm hoping as the season goes on, they make some adjustments and, and move Torres up and move some other guys around. But uh, I'm you know, we'll see what happens. But yeah, no, I don't like the way they put a lineup together anymore. It's not the way I would do it, but it's the way that stupid computer prints it out. And that's apparently what everybody goes off of nowadays. Yeah. And it's like McNeil was batting like fifth or sixth in, in spring training. He batted like fifth or sixth last night. He's batting seven tonight. Jeff McNeil outside of Lindor is your best overall hitter. Why do you have him batting seventh? Like, I'm cool with Nemo batting leadoff. That's fine. Lindor batting second. That don't bother me. But you put McNeil and Lindor back to back. And don't tell me this thing that you want to split the lefties and righties up. Eric, I've seen your Yankee lineup. You have righties batting back to back. We have lefties batting back to back. If you don't give a shit about that, put your best lineup out there. Simple. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I Dave, agree. We, I, again, I, oh. yeah, I'm not a fan of it. Yeah. Dave, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I thought I broke. I thought I broke that down pretty simple, so you could stay with us on that. Uh, I mean, in all honesty, yeah. Like your best players should be set up where they're supposed to be set up, and your lineup is should be set up to protect each other and maximize yeah. the guys around you. Mm. All right, that's fine. That's all I needed to say. All right, and like I said, I'm not overreacting over one game, honestly, because the Mets win on opening day every year. I have a belief that the Mets can actually have a better season if they lose on opening day because it's not exactly like winning every fucking opening day has helped them out for the last 60 years. So, anyway, where are we? All right, anybody, anything else baseball-wise? Are we moving on? Okay, no, I'm going to move on for now. All right, um, let's go to football. Let's go to football. I think – we're starting with Sam Darnold. No, we're starting with Sam Darnold. That's it. We can talk about the other shit in a little while if we want to. So the Sam Darnold trade, the Jets trade Sam Darnold. Lego we had talked, huh? Talk about him. Yeah, let's Lego talk Darnold. Darnold. Let's talk about him. Sure, sure. We mentioned last week that I thought the be- the Jets' best course of action, in my opinion, 
was to keep Darnold now that you got a legit coaching staff around him, trade the second overall pick, try to put some more pieces around him. Jets did not agree with me. Eric, you thought he would do better with a change of scenery. A couple people seem to agree. Sam Darnold is now a member of the Carolina Panthers. Panthers gave up a sixth-round pick this year and a second and a fourth-round pick next year. Now, I think this is actually a better return than the Jets could have hoped for for him. However, no you do – No, I, no, no way, absolutely. No they were better off with a hoagie sandwich, I'm telling you. They were better off with a sub sandwich from somewhere. Could have well, to the, the been acceptable at this to, to your yeah, point yeah. on that, to your point on that, yes, it does need to be acknowledged that the Jets are the worst drafting team in the NFL over the last twenty years. So, what good are the picks? What good are what good is it to have picks that you're not going to do anything with? You might as well enjoy a tasty sandwich. <clears throat> Well, you want a real Italian sandwich if you're going to do that. Like I said, the deli's down the street by know, me. I, I can really, name you. I can name bologna and American on some on some white bread with you know some Miracle Whip. I'm good. Hey, listen, That's all I need for Sam Darnold. <laughs> listen to this. Ah, listen, ah. listen to this right here. Okay, we got where is it? Hang on, hang on. The Godfather imported capicola with provolone cheese and lettuce, sun-dried tomatoes, and balsamic vinegar. That's what I fucking want. You take your baloney, sir. You no, take Mike, your baloney. Mike, Mike, you're, you're missing his point. No, no, no. I get his point. I just want – I wanted to highlight this menu because this is a good menu. I'm sorry. Go ahead. The point is the Jets would have been better off eating a crappy sandwich than taking the trade. At least that's Eric's perspective. I get his well, point. I get his point. You at least enjoyed the sandwich. You're not going to enjoy the picks, neither them nor the players. Nobody enjoys baloney. That's why the only people you hear eating baloney are poor. Uh, anyway, um, I enjoy bologna. That is not, I'm not not a fan. I'm not a fan. I do not mind the bologna. Not all the time, but I I do not mind the bologna. Now, liverwurst, I won't do. I don't think I've ever had liverwurst. Or or that olive loaf, I can't do that either. But you give me just a regular piece of bologna, I'm good. Mm, Fair enough. Well, here's the, here's my only thing. Now, yes. Jets suck at drafting, so obviously that is a deterrent to the idea that this is actually a good return. Even though, let's be honest here, there it's is a no good return for Carolina. They gave up practically nothing because you know the Jets aren't going to do anything with the picks, so it's not going to hurt you on the. Let back me end. let me let me say and, this real quick. Let me and they brought in Arnold. Let I, me to say, me that's a win win for them. Let me say this real quick. Here's the thing. Joe Douglas has one draft under his belt with the Jets. And truthfully, his one draft was not terrible. You got the guy Becton, who actually looks like he could be a really good player. And Mims looked like a really good wide receiver, potentially, when he's healthy. But what I was going to say was, you're trading away a guy who was the third overall pick in the draft, and you're settling for a second, fourth, and sixth round pick. There's no way that looks good until you consider how far Sam Darnold's stock has fallen. Like, honestly, I thought they would have to settle for a couple fourths. They traded up to get Darnold. They traded up to get Darnold. That's a great point. Yes, that is true. All right, Dave, go ahead. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. Like, in retrospect, it's a horrible situation for the Jets, no matter how you spin Mm -hmm. Um, I, I personally, uh, I, I don't get it. I really, I would have stuck with Darnold. I yeah. would have sold that second overall pick for a King's Ransom and rolled with it from there. But uh, obviously, that's not the route they want to go. I, I don't know 
you know, who's making that final decision and deciding to pull the trigger on it. But I would have stuck with Darnold. I would have rolled with that, and I would have seen what happened. Uh, but the idea of going to another rookie quarterback, and, I mean, not even just the Jets. We've seen year over year over year that teams drafting quarterbacks and trading up to draft quarterbacks, it doesn't work out. And that connects with what Eric just said. They traded up to get the guy, and it didn't work out. Mm. So Can't. what else do you – like, what do you think's going to happen here? Why would you have the confidence that it's going to lead to anything positive? Now, look, we all know they can prove all of us wrong, and we all know that, you know, that – uh, it sounds like they're going to take this Wilson kid. And, you know, we all know, like, who, hey, anything can happen. It's football. But track record, not on your side. And, and that, that's got to put big question marks in the air. And on top of that, to me, the other part of it is, yeah, I do agree. I think they got more than I thought they'd be able to get. When it comes down to the actual draft capital, I did not think they'd get as much as they got. Outside of that, who cares? They'll blow it anyway. And until you prove me wrong, I'm going to believe it. I'm becoming a firm believer that it's not necessarily like where you're drafting that matters at all. It's it's the people drafting for you. It's your war room. It's the people making the decisions. It doesn't matter if you draft first or 32nd in the first round. All the players are pretty, like, similar skill sets. All were, you know, for the most part, big-time recruits and went to big-time schools and and are, are top draft picks because they're as good as they are. It's really the teams that take them that turn them into something. And like Dave was just pointing out, I have zero to go off of that the Jets are going to do anything different with Zach Wilson than they did with Sam Darnold. Yeah, but to kind of go off of something you just said there about developing the player, that doesn't put it all on the evaluators. It's on the organization to actually be able to exactly. develop that yeah, talent. No, it's the whole thing. It's the organization. Yeah. There's a reason that the Bengals have sucked as long as they have, and the Browns and all these teams. You know, the Browns have drafted quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. You figured they would have hit one, on one of them eventually. But no, that's not what they hit on. That's not what they hit on. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, now maybe with Baker, May- with Baker Mayfield, but I mean, and maybe with Burroughs, but the, the, the jury's still out on those guys. But these teams, they don't hit on these guys. Where you see teams like the Giants and you see teams like the Steelers and the Packers and the Cowboys and all these other teams that consistently find ways to, to draft. Good- the Cowboys found Dak in the fourth round. Yeah. Well, I mean, that goes to what you it's say about team, it's not a, necessarily it's it's the whole thing from the talent evaluators to the people who develop the talent, the coaching staff and the whole bit, the culture of the team in general. It all sucks. Well, that's, that's the problem that, with the Jets. To talk about what you just highlighted there, that's what happens when Jerry Jones stepped aside and started putting people in charge of the draft who knew what they were doing. We don't know if Joe Douglas knows what he's doing yet. Last year's draft, he didn't do terrible. So there is a chance, you know, he's going to have a very small window because that's just the way it is with the Jets. But he has a chance to prove everybody wrong. But like you guys have said, he's got to prove it. It it is. I agree with that. I agree. The problem is, what's the definition? I think it's of insanity, right, of trying to do the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Like, 
the Jets are just doing the same thing they do. They keep doing, and they they keep sucking at it. Like it, they got to do something different here. And well, trading away Darnold, I don't think was was necessarily the answer for for you know a, a bunch of draft picks are going to do nothing with. Well, I mean, we'll we'll see. We'll see how that goes. They didn't trade up for a quarterback. They kept a pick for the quarterback. They do, if I'm not mistaken, they have Seattle's first round draft pick this year. They, I. Didn't you didn't you say last week? Don't the Jets have like five picks in the top ninety or something? Was that the Jets or was that the Dolphins? No, it was the Dolphins. All right, they still have a decent amount of picks this four year. Four picks in the top fifty, I believe it was. All right, they still they have had a decent four picks, and I think another team had four picks. Jacksonville had four picks. Well, listen, they have a decent amount of picks this year. They have a decent amount of picks next year. If they hit on it, they're able to give them a supporting cast and they actually have a coaching staff that they could develop them. Who the hell knows? Well, all let right. me ask you guys, because you're saying who the hell knows and all these what ifs. Well, let's go. Who's gonna? Who makes the playoffs first? Trevor Lawrence with Jacksonville or Zach Wilson with the Jets? Trevor Lawrence with Jacksonville. Got Dave's opinion. Yeah, we might have lost Mike, but yeah, no. I, yeah. I think that, and I think that's the other deceiving part too. Is if you think about it, like but they have to overcome right now. It's not hard. Oh, here he is. He's back again. I mean, I don't necessarily. Oh, did I? Yeah, you. You. We didn't hear anything of what you said. So continue, Dave, real quick, and then we'll let you jump in, Mike. I already think Jacksonville has a better roster, so they. I think Lawrence has more to work with. Already right off the bat. I think the Jets got their left tackle. I think their wide receiver group is going to be much improved over ne- over last season. Mims is able to stay healthy. I think the Corey Davis signing could wind up being something if he's not hurt all the time. You know, they, usually they do pretty good from a defensive standpoint. I know the last couple of years not so good. I'm going to say the Jets, something always goes wrong for the Jaguars. I know we're talking about the Jets here, too, but something always goes wrong. There's a reason why they've only made the playoffs two or three times the entire time they've been around for 25, 26 years has been now. So I'm going to say the Jets. All right. I don't really want to do it. Does anybody feel like talking about the Deshaun Watson situation? 22 cases now? 22 cases now, two women gave a press conference. Or I guess one of them gave a press conference. One of their lawyers or something read a prepared statement from the second woman. And the Houston PD um, filed a um, citation or a, a case was made, brought to Houston PD against the Sean Watson. So now they are officially conducting their investigation of him. Yeah, it's, it's, it's officially no longer hearsay. Somebody tries to charge this. But honestly, no. Because either some way, somehow, all these women are lying or a dude's a predator and has some serious fucking problems. So, I mean, look, if you guys want to talk about it, fine. But I, I really... This is the I don't. Shit. I don't really. This is the shit that all I think we all agree. know how I feel about these headlines that draw us away from the actual sport. You know, so I, I, I mean, it's up to you guys if you guys want to talk about it. But I'm yeah. If, if that's if that's I, I got. And I don't want to talk about it because again, there's still just allegations. We don't know anything, and 
If it's if he's wrong, he should be held accountable for every single case. If he didn't do anything and this is all a witch hunt because the, you know, lawyer lives next door to the owner, you know, then I don't know. And we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But 22 cases, the, the Houston PD looking into it now, none of it looks any good for, for Deshaun Watson. And I got to tell you, this is nobody – if you would have told anybody at the start of the 2020 season that Deshaun Watson was going to be in this kind of situation right now, nobody would have believed it. Yeah. All right. That... These allegations, he he was an he was the, an upstanding citizen. So it was it's weird. It's a weird story. But I'm I'm just waiting for more of it to play out and develop. And I guess we'll just wait for for Houston PD to uh, to actually investigate and, and see what's there. All right, that's fine. Anybody got anything else football-wise? Nope. Uh, draft is what, four weeks away, three weeks away? I think it's three weeks away from Friday. Or uh, Thursday, sorry. My favorite, yeah. draft, my favorite draft memory of recent years was going to see Avengers Endgame the night of the 2019 draft. That was a great movie. Anyway, um... So let's keep going here. Basketball. I know uh, Nets played the Knicks last night. Nets won. Nets might get Durant back this week, but now Harden's out for at least 10 days. What a hamstring strain. Uh, Eric, I'll start with you. Any thoughts? On Harden? Uh, or the Harden Nets? or the Knicks, whichever, you, whichever way you want to go. Uh, Knicks, I mean, just keep fighting tough. So, I mean, I, like I said, I've been actually having fun watching them. They, they, if they could finish anywhere near 500, um, at the end of this season and be in the mix for a, a four, five, six seed in the East, I mean, Thibodeau should be candidate for coach of the year, hands down. I mean, that's, yeah. that's unbelievable because nobody picked them to do that. So that's what I'll say about that. Um, as far as the Nets go and Harden, they got enough weapons to keep them afloat for right now. You know, that that's kind of why you got the big three. Somebody will be there to, to ride this regular season wave through for you. And it's really about the three of them getting getting themselves ready for the playoffs. Well, let's be honest. That's all the three of them really care about at this point. Nobody gives a shit about the regular season or seedings. You know, I don't even think the Lakers or LeBron or any of them give a shit about seedings anymore. It's, it's kind of become a joke, in my yep. opinion. So... Yeah, it's kind of kind of where I'm at. So I just think that they're going to nurse whatever injuries they have there and make sure everybody's 100% to go win, try and win that title. Mm. I don't know if it's a case of the Knicks have fallen down in recent weeks or the rest of the conference has finally started waking it up, waking up and realized that the playoffs are around the corner. The Knicks did hold the fourth seat a few weeks ago, and now they're kind of teetering at that eighth seat at 25 and 26. Yeah, but they, they played a tough stretch of games. If you go back, they played the Sixers twice. They played the Net, They played the Nets. They played uh, the Bucks. They played – I mean, they played a, a really tough stretch of games. I mean, they no doubt. Any gimme games. And the games they have been – that have been the games they've, that they've been supposed to win, they, they, they've won those games. They've won the games they were supposed to win. So I, uh, I'm i not disappointed. I think, what, they're one game under 500 right now? Yeah, one game and under. They have a game and a half lead over the Pacers for that eighth seed. Yeah, I think that they're going to they're, – they're right in that mix, though. And with those teams, they can compete and they can win those games. 
it's playing the upper echelon. They're not ready to play a team like the Nets with, with those weapons. They're not ready to play the Bucks or the Sixers in the playoffs. I mean, it should be fair. The they, didn't, they, didn't they only lose by like four points last night, though? Listen, Two. they're playing everybody Two. tough. Their defense yeah. has been unbelievable. But honestly, can you sit here and say that the Knicks could take any of those teams down in a seven-game series? And the answer is no. You cannot look at yeah. anybody with a straight face and say that. And that's what I'm trying to say is that they're a really good team and a really good story. And I hope they get past the first round of the playoffs. But whoever they get in that second round is going to probably kick the crap out of them. Mm. Or at least beat them like, you know, you know, five games, six games max. You know, I, you know, I think they're a team on the rise. I think they're a team that's in the right direction. But again, we're one year removed from being a 21 team, you know, so I, I see this as a vast improvement over what we've been doing the last handful of seasons, and I just hope to continue that trend. I'm not looking for a championship this year. I'm looking for them to build so they can start attracting those stars to come here to play with Randall and to play with these other guys to win that championship because that's what it's going to take. And like you've talked about, they had to build that culture first of winning, of having a good organization, of not having Dolan's name in the news every eight seconds. Although I know in recent weeks, he's got now it's only every 16 seconds. But regardless, you still hear a lot less of him. And those stories have subsided. You don't like they're not consistently every day in the paper anymore. They may be one day and then they're out the next they're not the focus isn't on Dolan anymore. It's about what what Leon Rose and William Wesley and Thibodeau have been able to do with that team. What Scott Perry's been able to do, the the moves they've been able to make, and I think that people are starting to see them as maybe a reformed organization, and that's the kind of the positive trend they need to keep going to be any good in this league uh, consistently anyway. So um, I'm excited, but I'm not going to get my hopes up. This is not a championship year. If they get past the first round, I think it would be exciting. If, you know, if they end over 500 on the year or around 500, I think that, like I said, Thibodeau should be up there for coach of the year. Mm. All right, Dave, what do you say? Yeah, no, I mean, look, the Knicks had a hard loss against the Nets, but, I mean, it's the Nets. Um, can't be like my bulls and beat them so you know that that happens but uh no there's the no. spike there's the spike there you go i i had to throw that in there real quick yeah. but no in, in all seriousness i i think one thing eric said that i completely agree with and i i think a lot of people would agree with is the fact that if they end up in anywhere past the eighth seed like thibodeau 100 percent should be considered uh, as one of the uh, coach of the year candidates. And if they end up at the eighth seed, he should still be considered a head coaching, uh, a coach of the year candidate. Um, what he's been able to do with them has been nothing but uh, short of impressive. Uh, I think we all can agree that I love Tibbs. So, you know, he preaches defense and old school basketball. And I think that's why you've also seen such a great year out of uh, Randall. Um, he likes the big man that can play some ball. Um, so I, I, I think what the Knicks have done has been impressive. It, yeah, it's been a little bit of a rough, rough stretch over the last few games. But for the most part, they, they, they're a team that, that's going to fight for a playoff spot. And, you know, right now for me as a Bulls fan, like Chicago plays out of their next eight games, I think six of them are against the teams that are – ranked anywhere from nine to 16 in the conference. So if 
Chicago can put a win streak together and all and be able to win some games, them and the Knicks could be fighting for that, you know, six, seven, eight window. And hmm. let's be honest, for the three of us, how much fun would that be? That'd be pretty cool. That would definitely be pretty cool. All right. Anything else basketball wise you guys want to bring up? Uh, um, the Space Tram trailer came out. I don't know if you guys saw it. You know, I got it. I got to be honest. I think the movie itself may suck, but that trailer actually looked pretty fucking good. I was I, I was mean, intrigued listen, I by think it. The premise is still as loose as the first one. Oh sure, you know, sure. I don't, I, but I don't I, sure. I, I, the I premise any more than I did the first one, but it just seems like listen, they they're trying to cram ten pounds of shit in a five pound bag here. Did you see how many cameos there were? I, you know, it made it. What they showed her in the trailer. They showed it. I mean, it, unbelievable. If you do a still shot frame by frame, there's just characters everywhere. They're from every universe. You I know, mean, you know, Hanna Barbera to King Kong, to Game the, of I Thrones, mean, everything. Game of Thrones. I mean, it's all in there. Yeah, everything's up for grabs. But I guess that's because it's all under Warner Brothers headline, right? Or all in, you know, I didn't even I didn't even know Game of Thrones was Warner Brothers. So that's it. Well, that was it's all inter- HBO Max, Warner Brothers. Oh Warner yeah, Brothers. okay, dumbass me. Yeah, no, that makes sense now. Yeah, no, that's true. I gotta be honest. I the movie's probably gonna be shit, but that looked like entertaining shit. I'm not saying I, well. I have HBO Max, so I could watch it the first day if I want to. But I mean, I you know, I'm not gonna run out to see it. I don't have to run out to see it. I got HBO Max. But um, you know, it looked better than I thought it would. I'll go with that. What'd you say, Dave? Oh, did I cut I'd, out again? Oh, go ahead. I'd, I'd actually probably agree with how exactly how you just said that. It looked better than I thought it was going to look. Mm. And, and you know what? When it's all said and done, like I'm all for little Looney Tunes in my life. So by all means, mm. let's let's see what happens. And I like that w- they didn't take Yosemite Sam's guns from him. All right. Yeah, Keep yeah. A little yeah. bit in there, yeah. You know. You know what I, I think is. Uh, just to throw out one more thing. Uh, sure. All right, go ahead, Mike. Go, go, go. No, I was just going to say, uh, I, you know, I heard about that Pepe Le Pew scene that they cut out of the movie. If it's the description that I got, they, even more, bad job cutting that scene out because apparently he was going to, he was a bartender in a Casablanca-like scene and he was going to be hitting on the girls and then he was going to get a lecture about the dangers of sexual harassment. They could have made that funny. I would have been entertained by that. I would have liked to have seen that. So that's a bad job cutting that scene out. Yes, let Yosemite Sam keep his guns. Lola Bunny looked horrible, though. Did I cut out again? No, no, you're good. You're okay. Good. I don't think she. I don't think she looked horrible, but I. I, I she did not look the way she did in that photo. I thought she, I did the face. No, I'm not down with that. Lola was a sexy bunny back in the day. But anyway, go ahead. Uh, that's I why think I the pros they could have picked could have been a little better too. What'd you say? What'd you say? I I, I I don't know. I'm questioning some of the pros they picked. I, I get Damian Lillard. I get Dana Taurasi. Oh I don't yeah. Know about the others. Who were the others again? Blake Griffin was one of them, right? It was. Uh, I gotta look it up. I'll tell you this: the scene where he's trying to put together a super team, and then they look over and no, this is the team you're getting. That that looked kind of funny. That looked kind of funny. I like the fact that they played off of that. You have Kyrie Irving, Clay Thompson, Anthony Davis, Damian Lillard. So no, I guess it's okay. 
And Don Cheadle. Nothing wrong with Don Cheadle being in the movie. No, no, no I like me some Don Cheadle. I don't yeah. think it's going to be terrible. I, I just think that they're trying Yo, to... Yo, that is an all-star... That is an. I'm sorry to cut you off. That is an all-star basketball lineup there. Clay Thompson, Anthony yeah, no, Davis. Yeah, I'll that is take, all-star. I take. I take my comment back. I retract yeah. it after seeing the lineup. Yeah, fair it's enough. Not a bad, it's not. It's not a bad lineup. Yeah. Go ahead, though. What were you I saying? I will say though, it was. It's and I can't take this thought for my own. But the second I heard it today, it, it, it completely did. It reminds me a lot of like Ready Player One with like all the cameos and all I, the Easter eggs and all that stuff. I agree with you on that, actually. Yeah, no, I didn't even think of that till you said it. That's that's a good comparison. Dave, have Yo. you seen that one, Ready Player One? Yeah, I actually like that movie. Yeah, I did what, not what think... What do you think of that comparison to this trailer? I think that's extremely uh, pretty fair, especially since some of the characters you see in the trailer are literally characters that you get to see in Ready Player One. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think I was going to like that movie. I was actually pretty entertained by that movie. I thought it was decent. Uh, now, it would I, be funny if this was somewhat of like a trilogy that nobody told people about, and you had Ready Player One, and then you had Space Jam, and it connected to Ready Player Two. That oh, would Jesus. be interesting to me. That would be interesting to me. It would almost be like uh, Um Night Shyamalan's uh, trilogy there that he came out with, with Unbreakable and Split and uh, Glass. That nobody really saw coming until after you know Split came out and there was that cameo there at the end that kind of started tying things together. But did I yeah, ever tell you guys uh, I met? I did I ever tell you guys I met Bruce Willis one time? No. I no. met. Uh, well, I work in Westchester, New York. I work in Mount Kisco, so um, it's funny the way it happened because I'm behind the register. I'm pissed off because my opening cashier was late, and I'm trying to get work done. And this dude walks up to the register. I didn't see his face right away. He looked drunk to me out of the corner of my eye. So I do what I always do when you come when you come to the store. I'm at the register, email address or phone number. And the guy just says, "What do you need my email for?" And I knew that fucking voice. And I looked up, and Bruce Willis is fucking staring right at me. That's pretty badass. And, and I just looked at him. I was just like, "Oh my! It, you don't have to give me your email, Mr. Willis. It's okay." It's okay. You don't have to give it to me. So yeah, I met Bruce. Will I met Bruce Willis for about five minutes. Yeah, and I think I met Emily Blunt one time. I never got confirmation on that. But anyway, uh, did you guys see the voice cast on this? Zendaya is playing Lola Bunny, and Gabriel Iglesias, Fluffy, is playing Speedy Gonzalez. That's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I did see that, and I think I saw an interview with with him that where he talked a little bit about it, and he was he was super excited to play the character too, or to voice the character. I like um, Fluffy, you know. Yeah, and I like <laughs> I like how they didn't cancel Speedy Gonzalez. So <sighs> you can't you can't cancel Speedy. Gonzalez. Well, I love the fact that people stood up and said, "No, he's a Mexican icon." That killed me. So. That was. You, you hey, I agree. People. Yeah. He's you know he's always he's always entertaining and funny like you know mm. I, I don't know I thought he portrayed him well. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. No, I like Speedy. I like them all. I like them all. It's the Looney Tunes. You can't go wrong with the Looney Tunes. People don't know about Looney Tunes and the Muppets anymore, and that's why this this fucking generation is fucked. But anyway. All right. Well, Actually, my my nephew. Speaking of which, on Easter, um. We had him all, or we were at my sister-in-law's house. He came over, and he's big into the Muppets right now, believe it or not. And his favorite is Fozzie Bear, and he was telling all sorts of jokes and going, walk, 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 walk out there. So it was actually entertaining, but the time with the Muppets there. 
That's pretty little, cool. Yeah, no, it was nice. It was funny. Mm, that's pretty cool. All right. Anything else basketball-wise to talk about? Nah, I think I'm good. You guys uh, really yeah. ain't, you guys really are not going to bring this up, huh? Well, you bring it up then. Okay. Well, I mean, I was very disappointed yesterday because I had uh, this all planned out for a reoccurring joke that I was going to do every week because for the last three weeks, I brought up something that you guys don't agree with. And I firmly believe this, that I was going to keep this as a reoccurring joke. And I was going to say, I was going to find different points in the show. I get cut off the internet. I come back on. I was going to throw this in just out of nowhere. And then Paul Pierce decided to be a fucking moron over the weekend. Put the video of himself smoking blunts and drinking with all these girls, doing all this shit up to Instagram to get himself fired from ESPN. And I can't do the recurring joke anymore. I still, I still believe he's the first ballot Hall of Famer, but he's a fucking moron. If now, you want to get you fired, think, do you think it, do you think he strategically did that to get fired so that he can get a job starting to, else? It's starting to seem that way. It's like if you want to if you want to quit or leave a job, there's got to be better ways to do it than put a video of that up during a pandemic. There's got to be better ways to do that. Well, I agree. I have zero reason, no idea why you would ever post it. But, yeah. I mean, unless you were looking for something stupid to happen because, you know, it can't end well with your employer. I mean, there's no way that yeah. video can look good unless you were thinking it wouldn't get shared. But you're an idiot if you think that. So, I mean, I on so many levels, it was just stupidity reigning supreme. So mm. I, I, have, I have trouble, like, giving him the benefit of the doubt. But at the same time... If it was a strategic move, maybe he had something in his clause that he wasn't allowed to just quit, or, oh, yeah. off, or he would get, a, or he wouldn't get X amount, or he wouldn't do whatever. So maybe by putting this video out, he gets a little bit more by getting canned, or gets a little bit more freedom, or whatever else. Or well, the specu- the speculation is he's going to join Barstool Sports. That's the speculation. So I don't know well, if I mean, they're connected. Pretty smart but... speculation because. That that party sounds like it was connected to Barstool Sports. <laughs> Are you speculating that, or is there proof of that? Because that's the first I've heard of that. I'm um, I'm speculating, but you know me. I put my tinfoil hats on all the time. Oh, uh, sure. Tend to be right more often than not. Your so, tinfoil hat has you know a tinfoil hat. Yeah, I know. If he lands at Barstool, I am one hundred percent on the tinfoil hat. Barstool was behind the party campaign. Well, I mean, yeah, not like that's they. Where he ends up, uh, that's that's one hundred percent what happened. They were like, "Dude, you're coming to us. We're about to show you a good time." <laughs> well, I mean, not as you want over. We're gonna have <laughs> drinks and blunts. It's gonna be epic and supreme. You're, you're not even gonna know. It's gonna be well, awesome. not not like they would admit it if they were behind it. But I've seen nothing from them, Portnoy or any of them, to make me think that they were behind it. But again. Not like they'd put yeah. it out there if they were. If it comes out like a month or two from now that all of a sudden he's at Barstool doing podcasts or something else, I'm going to think something real fishy happened. But uh, listen, ESPN had to be paying him a pretty buck because he was on The Jump. He was on their other NBA show. Like NBA Countdown. Yeah, so I mean, he was on a couple different programs. He probably wasn't getting paid cheap. Like, he probably didn't come mm. cheap. So whatever Barstool may have ponied up or somebody somebody had to have ponied something up somewhere because you don't just throw money away and contracts away and burn bridges and do whatever 
over nothing, like just to party with some girls. Like you could have done that without the videos, dude. Like you're like, I'm sure you've done every other night of the week. So to me, there had to be some kind of motivation behind it. I mean, you would hope so. Otherwise, he's just a fucking moron. But I think I think the worst part of this all is I'm telling you right now, the ideas I had to sneak the line, Paul Pierce first ballot Hall of Famer into this show every week until the Hall of Fame ceremony. You guys, are, you guys should be disappointed that we don't get to experience that now. So <laughs> I had some good ideas. I had some good ideas. Oh, we lost Mike. He comes back on. Paul, Paul Pierce, first ballot Hall of Famer. What happened? Shit like that. It would have been funny. Talk, you're talking about nothing having to do with basketball, just sneaking in. It would have been great. It would have been great. We can't do that now because Paul Pierce is an idiot. But anyway, all right. That's about it. Unless he's stupid like a fox. (laughs) Oh, my God. Stop. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I don't think that's how the saying. I I, got to tell you, I'm building a nice shiny hat over here. I can't wait to put it on. I mean, I don't know if you heard me say it, but yeah, no, we know. Your tinfoil hat has a tinfoil hat. Yeah, we got it. We got it. We know. Actually, this one, I think I'm going to put a spinner on the top. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. That's pretty good. All right. Um, well, that's it for the sports we normally talk about. Does anybody have anything else they wanted to bring up tonight? Anything at all? That's it. I gave you Space Jam. Outside of that, I, that's all I had sports-wise for you. Well, listen, I don't know how much time anybody has. We don't have to make this long. I wouldn't mind going to sleep myself. But, I mean, we haven't been able to get together to talk Justice League or Falcon in the Winter Soldier or anything like that. You guys, Dave, did you, did you, I guess you said you needed a week to watch Justice League. Did you get your week together? Uh, I, I've, I've actually now watched it twice. Oh, really? Wow. Is it because you liked it so much the first time or is it because it was a lot the first time or you fell asleep the first time? Um, I'll just say that I was under the influence of certain things while watching it the first time. So, okay, he, pa- he passed out. Yeah, was it better I, I, on those things or was it better sober? It was better without those things. Well, he okay. passed out during it, so that kind of gives it away. No, no, I, like, oh. I stayed awake the whole time. I just. Uh. It felt like that thing was like nine hours long when I first watched it. Yeah. All right, well, I'll let you guys go. I, I, like I said, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this. I just know we haven't been able to talk about this yet. So, Dave, I'll start with you. What would you think of it? Uh, look, I, I thought the Snyder Cut was a thousand times better. Uh, there were definitely moments where I just started laughing because I'm like, oh, so they still use parts of the Snyder Cut. So, cool. Um, but, yeah, no, I thought it was pretty cool. I, I mean... I, I thought the end battle scene was pretty badass. I, I just, I'm kind of with the masses. I think the most disappointing part is realizing that we're not going to get to see him continue the story that he was planning on telling. I think that's mm. probably the most disappointing part of the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, you can read the synopsis online for everything because they got it all out now. It it, it would have been very intriguing to see where it would have gone. Listen, don't say never. I know what that lady Aunt Cernoff said. I know what other people have said. But on HBO Max, on a different forum, not necessarily under WB's umbrella, they could do something. It's not, I'm going to say, as much as you thought that you'd never see the Snyder Cut, 
there's probably as much room for it to be to keep going afterwards too because i mean they're seeing the success and the money it could bring them they're seeing people talk about it they're, they're seeing it so i mean i think the biggest thing though is to go to a point that dave made of wanting to see more of it i think that people just need to do that in a respectful way i don't think going out and movie review bombing all sorts of other movies to tank them so you know it gets to Warner Brothers I don't think that's the right way to go about things be a yeah. fan of something yeah. but don't tear something else down to to try to build yours up make yours great the way it is and I I really liked Zack Snyder's cut of the Justice League I thought it was again echo what Dave said and you said much much better thousand times better than the Justice League that we got originally and uh, I'm I'm excited to see where it goes. And again, even though you may not be getting a direct like justice sequel right now, you are going to still get Ezra Miller's Ezra Miller's Flash movie. You are still getting an Aquaman two. You are still getting a Wonder Woman three. You are still getting a whole bunch of stuff. It was all created in the Snyderverse. Henry Henry Cavill Superman and. Uh, I mean, I, another big reason why I don't think it's going to die is The Rock and Henry Cavill are friends. And The Rock's movie hasn't even come out yet. And he's already talked about wanting to fight Superman and fight his friend Cavill. So I, I could just see that something's going to happen there. Like, I really do. Well, let me sure there's anybody that can get it going, it's The Rock. I mean, that dude's influence right now is is probably... He's going to look at Warner Brothers execs and be like, we're going to do another movie. And they're going to be like, what okay, The Rock. Rock. Is cooking. Yeah. <laughs> you smell the dollar bills like get on my level i mean you know you know Adam is going to generate revenue like i mean eric 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 you know you know what the first executive to say something against him would wind up saying right you know what they'd say right well it doesn't matter what you say <laughs> yeah. But it really that's what he'd say. He brings in all the movies and all the fans. No, no, no. That's you what The want, Rock would say to the executives. I know, but I'm just saying, you do yeah. not want The Rock getting upset with your company and going over to Marvel and destroying House over there. Yeah, like, I mean, like, here's my you know only I mean? thing. Here's my here's my only thing. I like. I'll say my opinion in a minute. I. To go back to what you said about the, the, you know, don't say never on it. I think it'd be kind of hard to do it now when we have the synopsis of where this was supposed to go for the other two movies out there. And I think we wouldn't get that vision because they'd look at Siren and be like, listen, you have to do something different because everything you were originally going to do is out there now. You're not going to surprise anybody anymore. You got to do some surprises. And I think that might take away from it a little bit. Like, would it have the same impact for you now? Like, because I'm assuming you've seen the synopsis of where the second and third movie was supposed to go, right? Yes and no. Okay, did you know Batman was supposed to die in the second movie? Yeah. Or the the third movie. It was the third movie, excuse me. Yeah, I've read all of that stuff. But again, all that could have changed too. All that stuff is synopsis, storyboarded, but all subject to change as well. Um, Mm. So you never know. Yeah. Again, I'm excited because I do think that eventually we're going to see something going forward. And for now, we are still going to have pieces of Zack Snyder's vision still out there. So I'm going to still hold out some kind of hope that uh, DC finds a way to make, make something happen. 
I mean, it'd be nice, but I won't hold my breath. Wonder Woman 2, I'm sure you've seen this. The original idea for Wonder Woman 2 was, you know, you saw at the end of the movie, she's holding the arrow and she's looking at Thermoscara. She was supposed to go back to Thermoscara in the second one, if I heard that correctly. So, And I think that would have been a better movie than the one we actually got because I wasn't that crazy about the second Wonder Woman. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great. Um, I was horrible. I'm not going to say it definitely wasn't it definitely wasn't even close to as good as the first one definitely wasn't there were a couple points I thought that movie was disrespectful so I'll tell you what what's on the verge of being disappointing to me is Falcon and the Winter Soldier to switch gears oh like no 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 I couldn't disagree with you more but let me say my thoughts on Justice League real quick before we go to uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier I thought it was good if you're based if your base goal is to prove you can make a better movie than what Whedon got, congratulations, you did it. Having said that, I thought the second half of the movie was 100 times better than the first half of the movie, if I'm being honest. Like, Dave, I kind of did what you did, and I passed out midway through the movie the first time I watched it, so I went back and I saw what I missed. Um, my two initial thoughts, negatives here, uh, Zack Snyder, and this is something I hate about Zack Snyder movies in general, too much fucking slow motion. Like, if you cut all the slow motion out of this movie and sped everything up to regular speed, you'd cut a half hour out of the fucking movie. And it takes yeah, away, it takes no, away, takes away, takes away the impact when something actually could use slow motion, like at the end of the movie where Flash saves the universe. If you didn't see all the nonsense slow motion, probably would have had a lot more of an impact. I'm sorry, the Wonder Woman um, museum scene where she saves uh, the the children from the terrorist who was Roose Bolton in uh, Game of Thrones, you didn't need slow motion in that scene. And the other thought I had was, you know something, a lot of the extended scenes were great and everything, but sometimes when you extend a mediocre scene, you get an extended mediocre scene. That's all you get. So those were my only problems. Ezra Miller, I don't like Ezra Miller as the Flash anymore. He's annoying. Aquaman, oh, Jason, Jason Momoa is the man. Gal Gadot is the woman. Those two are fantastic. They were the best parts of the movie without question. Ray Fisher got fucked over, though, in the Whedon movie. And how stupid is Whedon? And the executives, you know, Henry Cavill, if you get him back for reshoots, is coming back with a big old mustache that you have to CG out of the movie. You would think you would want to limit that exposure as much as possible. Nah, let's reshoot everything Snyder did just so we can throw a couple more jokes in and get this movie completely shit on for the bad CGI. Stupid, stupid. Overall, I thought it was a good movie, but if the original was a six and a half to me, I thought it was a seven and a half, eight. No, I'd give it better, Dad. I would, I would have gave it closer to like uh, this. To me, was one of the better superhero movies I think I've seen in a while. I, I would have gave it more like an eight and a half. Do you think it's as good as Endgame? No, but again, good. I don't think it's. Good. I don't think it had the build up to Endgame that Endgame had either. Yeah, so, I mean, I think Endgame is better. I think you know, I, I like Civil War a lot. I like Ragnarok a lot. I, I, but I think I like this movie like I like those movies. I think it could be in that conversation. 
I can't put it up there. Like I said, I thought it was a I thought it was a pretty damn good movie, and I liked the last two hours. I thought the last two hours were fantastic, truthfully. Well, like I said, I, let's get to something. We're gonna yeah. have another thing. We're well, gonna well, Dave's 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 final thoughts, and then yes, yeah, no, we're gonna disagree. Dave, go ahead. Uh, I think we're good, man. We okay. Falcon and Winter Soldier is fucking fantastic so far. Are you serious? It's borderline, borderline, going to be disappointing. It's. It's getting to the level. I, I got to admit, this, this episode, I, I'm not saying I'm not entertained, but what I'm saying is it just feels like the same way I feel like we were not not that I'm overbuilding up Falcon and the Winter Soldier either. Them just on this chase, we're halfway through and like, you know, you're still trying to figure out who the power broker is. You don't really know much about these flag smasher people. They don't seem to be on the trail of really anybody. You don't know what Sharon Carter's doing. The whole thing seems to be a mess right now. And the fact that they're only going to tie it up in three episodes seems like they're going to rush through a lot of storylines and, and things that they're doing. Um, so I, that to me is where I feel like it's going to be disappointing. I think we're going to be underwhelmed by the actual villain of the show. I think we're going to be underwhelmed by how this thing ends because I think it's just going to end too fast. It's, I it, think there's three episodes left. That's it. I think it depends on what you're building the bad guy up to be. Like me personally, I'm just taking this episode by episode and I'm really liking the way they did it. The first episode I thought was great. The fact that the two of them never even saw each other. You see in their own personal stories. Then the second episode, you get them coming together. You had some really good moments to me are just building to young Avengers or something stupid like that though. And that's what it seems like. This is just all set up. Ah, You might, you might have a point. Something else. You might have a point there that's, younger. That's where it's just annoying to me is that these aren't actually telling the stories of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. They're telling stories that they want to continue telling for the future. And I get that, but don't call it Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Don't make it about these two and then not really have it be about these two. But it is about these two, though. I disagree at with the that. Same premise. Time, if you look at it, you could say WandaVision was about Wanda, but at the same time, it was as much introducing her two kids, introducing Monica Rambo. And, and and all of those other things, like all of that matter, like. But how is that? How is that different from what? Line to Marvel. How is and that different like from what the movies did, though? With Elijah Bradley, with Patriot, and uh, with, with all these other like little things you're throwing around, and like you know the Thunderbolts and this and that, and like you know with with Zemo and with U.S. Agent and with you know it's just I don't know. And then I like, I, I actually it's going to be a lot to wrap up in three episodes when you spent three kind of throwing it all into chaos wrap it all up in, in just three seems like you're not doing justice to the storylines you're trying to put through here. I actually have the first ten, uh, first 10 issues of the Thunderbolts from 1997. I have them. Dave, what do you think? I mean, I see Eric's point, but I've been genuinely entertained. Um, I, you know, they had there's that one scene with them and there's the Bucky psychiatrist and are you having yeah. contact? I like, I straight up laughed out loud sitting on the couch by myself. Like I, I thought it was hysterical. I genuinely enjoyed it. Um, I do see Eric's point though because they're trying to build something up yet they only have three episodes left to kind of put some type of bow on it, and that it's it's going to be interesting to see how they figure out or how they actually end up doing that um but all in all i've genuinely enjoyed watching the show i've been entertained i've had fun like i'm getting out of it like basically what i want to get out of it and from some of the things i've read they are setting up some bigger things like uh the guy playing captain america could 
potentially turn into a bad guy or something. Like I mean, U.S. agent. Things up. So he's he's uh, U.S. agent. He's see where they so, go. So, sorry, Dave. He's U.S. agent in the comics. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know who that is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he becomes he's a bad guy at first, but then he's a good guy. So I mean, he might be around a little. And that's the son of Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. I don't know if you guys know that. Kind of looks like Kurt Russell a little bit. Um, I mean, to go back to what Eric's saying, and then we can wrap it up after this because I know you guys got to get out of here. But what you just said about you know the bigger stories and everything, I feel like they are focusing on their stories. But all these things lead to something else. It's no different than what the movies did. But at least with the TV shows, you get a deeper dive on characters who get like an hour's worth of screen time across five movies. So I like the fact that we're seeing it. And again, I liked WandaVision, and I know you liked it too. I wasn't as disappointed by the finale as I know you guys were. But I, what, Eric said, uh, what Dave said about... You're getting out of it what you want to get out of it. I think it depends on the expectations you have in mind. And if you're expecting a big finale that ties everything up, that's just not the way this is going to be, though. I, yeah, I'm enjoying these, these the ride. These are supposed to be six-hour movies, though. If these are supposed to be long-form movies, we're not getting out of them what I would want to get out of them. If you put this in the theater, I'd be disappointed walking out with my ticket. Well, I mean, we still have to know how this. We still have to know how this ends, though, because there's still three hours left. So we'll see. Did you guys see that Loki trailer? Yeah, but again, it's just something else. I don't want to get my. I don't want to. I don't. I'm starting to. I want to see how Falcon and the Winter Soldier ends because that's going to start to set my expectations for what I really think these Disney show plus shows are going to be. Well, this might wreck. This might raise your expectations for that one. You know, you know, I'm pretty sure Natasha Romanoff is in that trailer sitting with Loki, right? No, it's not her. They've already confirmed it's not her. It's the Lady Loki character. That, that, that's been confirmed? Yeah. She, he's not sitting with her on board. Man. I don't know, man. That looked like Romanoff. I'm telling you, it's not. They yeah. said it's not. I'm going to believe it. Dave, what do you say? I mean, oh, there you go. Hey, no, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about, and it definitely kind of looked like her, but I, I don't, I haven't seen anything that's made me think it actually is outside of the back of the head. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to, I will agree with Eric. I'm not going to get too hyped because I think what these Disney stories are really supposed to be are kind of like the equivalent to like little shorts. You know, you watch like many short films that like fill in gaps. So I, I think they're, I think they're almost kind of going the route that you've seen with like Star Wars. It's just a little bit more back to back than what Star Wars fans got. Uh, well, I definitely think we got the better end of that one. So I'm with you there. All right. That'll do it here. Uh, we'll do final thoughts unless anybody got I'll anything else. I disagree there. Uh, as far as if you're talking about Marvel fans getting it better than Star Wars fans. Absolutely. If you're talking, talking show-wise, show for show, I'm taking the Mandalorian right now over Falcon and the Winter Soldier or over uh, WandaVision. Uh, if you're talking the whole universe into it no, i would I'm rather not, be a talking whole universe i'm talking show for show on disney plus between the, between the two universes i will take what i've gotten from mandalorian over what i've gotten so far from uh from marvel 
Oh yeah, uh, no, over, over Wanda and the over Wanda division, and over what I've seen so far from Falcon and the Winter Soldier. No, I, I wasn't comparing them. I, what I meant was like the that like they're trying to do that same type of big blown universe that we've seen Star Wars develop into. Like I just learned a couple years ago that they have Star Wars comics and like all these cartoons and all these things that actually like are like splintered off from the story of original Star Wars. Like I had no idea about any of that until a couple. Oh, years the comics ago. have comics have been around for a long time. Well, that's what I mean. I just haven't known. Yeah. So I think that's kind of what you're seeing. It's just Marvel's doing it more consistently and consecutively. But I think all in all, the concept is like it's this giant universe and shit happens all over the place. And they're just telling you little mini stories about what's happening while other things happen. And I think that's what I meant. Like, I'll agree. I think Mandalorian's a better story than either one of the two like the story itself is really good i still haven't even finished the second season and it's been out for how long but like it's entertaining it's just kind of fell on the back burner for me but mm. yeah I, either way I, I do need to wrap up i i i'm hungry i need to eat some dinner <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right uh we can wrap it up and then. you should Let's... go finish season two of the mandalorian it's it's a good it's a good Good ending to the season, I think. In the last couple yeah, it's, episodes, it's well, pretty I, I good. I know about the big spoiler with Luke Skywalker, so that kind of takes away from part of it. Yeah, but still, it's still entertaining. Though. Just so you know, the MCU is the only one who does the aging just about perfectly. I still didn't like the way that Luke Skywalker looked, in my opinion. They should have just gotten Sebastian Stan. But anyway, none of the de aging is perfect though, because if you look at Thunderbolt Ross and the way they've tried to de age him, oh, I'm not even talking about that. Michael Douglas, like garbage. Michael Douglas, or Robert Robert Downey Jr. in Civil War, they do it so much Mm. better than anybody else trying to do that shit right now. Michael Douglas looked like he did in Wall Street in Ant Man. That was fantastic. Anyway, you know it's the same company that did Xavier and Magneto and X Men: The Last Stand. They came a long way. But anyway, that movie was shit. Anyway, um, all right, let's get out of here. Thank you guys for being with me as always. Let's do some final thoughts here. Dave Hastings. Dave Hastings muted. Sorry. There you go. I'm, yep. I'm, my bad, guys. I'm, I'm like literally trying to cook dinner right now. Um, Fair enough. Always a pleasure. Until next week and all that sweet stuff. <laughs> Thanks, Dave, Dave. Real quick, real quick, real quick. Paul Pierce, he's the first ballot Hall of Famer. Yes. No. Yes. He's an idiot, but he's still a false be- first ballot Hall of Famer. Had to throw All right. For you, Mike. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Uh, funny, Dave. Yeah, Dave, enjoy your food there. We'll see you next week. Eric Tressler. Stay sweaty, guys. Stay sweaty, my friend. Yes. And thank you, everybody, for listening to us tonight. No matter how you listen to us, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn. For Dave Hastings and Eric Tressler, I am Mike Agliloro. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you all next week.